Hey folks, it's Mike Shea from SlyFlourish.com and Twitter.com slash SlyFlourish, here with another episode of Sly Flourish's Lazy DM Prep. This is a weekly show shot 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Times on Twitch, in which I go through steps from Return of the Lazy Dungeon Master while preparing for my Sunday D&D game. In this case, I am running a homebrew campaign called uh, Eberron the Second Morning. Uh, this show is brought to you, like all of the other uh, activities of Sly Flourish, by the fine backers of Sly Flourish on Patreon. If you, you can become a patron of Sly Flourish if you go to patreon.com slash slyflourish and back it there. Patreon supporters get access to a free D&D adventure. Uh, well, not free. It's part of the Patreon package. But they get access to a D&D adventure that's exclusive to Patreon backers called uh, Regnum Ratus: The Rats in the Cellar. Uh, you can get that access to that, and you also get a monthly newsletter in which I talk about all of the various Life Flourish activities that have been going on and anything else interesting that I think is worth putting in the newsletter. And you help support shows like this. Uh, you help pay for the equipment and the bandwidth and uh, all sorts of other costs and uh, the website costs and hosting for the website and things like that. And uh, also help fund things, uh, new activities like the new Sly Flourish newsletter. Uh, if you want to get the latest Sly Flourish article directly to your inbox, you can sign up for the Sly Flourish newsletter through that. Uh, so thanks to all the backers on Patreon who are helping to support these, uh, these shows. So our, yes, this is a homebrew Eberron game that I am running on Sundays now. Uh, this is, I think, going to be our fourth, uh, our fourth session. And uh, yeah, it's interesting. So one, one thing that's interesting is this is a, you know, it's a homebrew campaign. I'm actually not used to running homebrew campaigns. I run, I run published adventures far more often and have for a long time. Uh, I certainly have run my share of homebrew campaigns. I think I've got about three or four that I've done in probably the last few years, uh, shorter, shorter ones. And uh, yeah, it's interesting. So this, this, what I find is that the steps from return, uh, which weren't just based on my own experiences, but based on the experiences of many dozens of DMs that I interviewed and hundreds of DMs that I collaborated with and talked to and thousands of DMs that I surveyed to come up with what steps are most commonly used and, and how we can refine those down. Um, but certainly you have, you have to stretch the steps more than you normally do in a published adventure. Uh, yesterday I was on the same show talking about Descent into Avernus and even with the issues that Descent into Avernus has with plot and, and, and story, uh, it's still, in my opinion, easier to, you can skip a lot of the steps from return when you have a book like that. You can skip, usually skip worrying about what monsters you're going to drop in there. You can often skip what treasure you're worrying about. You can often skip fantastic locations because they're all written in the book. Sometimes NPCs. It's usually good to kind of have some focus on NPCs, but you can cut a lot of the steps out uh, from the eight steps uh, when you are when you are doing that. Happy Easter. Yes, happy, happy Easter to everybody. And uh, thanks to all who are here this morning. So, um, yeah, but when you're doing a homebrew uh, adventure and spe- specifically a homebrew campaign... Um, a lot of the steps, you, you, I think you, you, you kind of have to do all of them, right? Like they're all designed, it's, it's you, 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 well, not, you don't have to go through all of them. You can do whatever you want. I tend to find that I'm going through all of them. And uh, because I don't have anything that's sort of helping me along. I'm sort of making everything up as I go. And I think that that's a, that's a, like a bit of a psychological leap to make that to, to recognize that like, we're just pulling stuff out of our ass and we're making a game out of it and suddenly it becomes real, right? That that's, I think, my from the surveys I've done, most DMs do it that way. Uh, they most DMs have big ideas and big stories in their heads. I tend not to. I'm tend to. I tend, you know, I'm I'm always kind of happy to modify what I get. But I I like having uh, I like having a published adventure that sort of helps me, sort of you know steers me in the general direction. So I did come up with you know an adventure for this. I have an idea. I've started to fill it out more uh, in my head uh, and a little bit in writing, but very little about like where is this campaign going, right? So. I believe firmly in the idea of focusing on your next game, right? I have a game today at noon. It goes till three. I want to make sure that that noon to three period that we have fun. Hey, my mom is here. Hi, mom. Um, so I want to focus on that, right? I don't really care what's going to happen in the session six weeks from now, right? I care about the session that's going to happen today. And is that one going to be fun? And uh, I think it is always worth doing that. But you still, there's still part of you that's like, yeah, but where's it going, right? And the things that I'm going to drop in this next three-hour game have to lead somewhere, right? I want to, I want it to go somewhere. So, you know, I know that I had this like shining star out there of like, I know that eventually they're going to be heading to the Mornland uh, and they're going to go to the Mornland to help stop, you know, and probably a number of groups from trying to acquire the power to create a second 
morning, uh, the event, the event that wiped out all of Sire and turned it into the Mornland. Very powerful. Nobody really knows what it was. And I think that the characters are going to go stop it. And I've decided to make my life a little harder by not defining what that is, like what caused it or what will cause it. I don't, I'm not paying attention to that. And I don't want to, I kind of want to leave that blank. Uh, but I, I do want to throw some things in the way that are, um, that you can kind of get the characters there. So like where, you know, step A to step Z, right? Where, where, what are they going to acquire? And certainly you can, you can look at it and say, well, there are a series of MacGuffins that they can get. And so the first MacGuffin, which we, they acquired in the last session was a book called the book of making, which is a very old, it's sort of a, a book that has, um, it's a, like a palimpest of a bunch of different bits of lore that various mages and sages and, and explorers had drawn together from, um, uh, from various places. And most of it coming from Zendrek and coming from the, 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 the arcane giants of Zendrek that existed a long time ago, back before the god Oram kind of cursed them and said, you are no longer going to have access to this power. And I think that, like, and so it was, a, it was a temple of Oram that had this book. They went to the, it was a, a, a ruined temple. They went through the ruined temple. They found a bunch of um, living spells that they avoided and then fought a bunch of Emerald Claw agents and then got a hold of the book. And now they have it. And now they have left the uh, temple of Oram and are returning to their home base. And that's kind of where uh, the last session began. So I'm kind of thinking like, okay, so they have this book of making, but like, I don't even know what's in it, right? Like, how does that matter, right? What's the book of making? So I have ideas like, well, the book of making has this old lore in it. And the theory is like, well, it actually has information in it that could be quite dangerous, that if you put it together with other information, you could, you know, it's possible that lore like that could create something like what happened at the second morning or did, right? And we don't even know. So, um, but what are the other parts? So I know that like, I have an idea for another MacGuffin that this book is actually one of two. And the other book is the book, the book of Colseer, the, 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 the tome of Colseer. Colseer is the name of the demi, it's almost like a demigod, the, the Titan that had the arcane power in Zendrek, this jungle, this jungle continent to the South. And the book of Colseer and the book of, and the book of making together have lots of information that could be that if pieced together could be both very powerful and very devastating. In fact, some of it may have led to the creation of Sharn. Some of it led to the creation of the Warforge, but it also could have created, you know, that these books together and the lore from these books, they're sort of like proofs, right? They're, they're like the, um, you know, these books and this, my person should probably start writing some secrets, right? Let's just go right into my notes. Hell, why waste, why waste this effort here? I'm going to go right into secrets. I don't think I have secrets anywhere. Where are my secrets? Those are NPCs. Somewhere are his secrets. There we go. Secrets and clues. Right? Uh, the Tome of Making is one, two collections of Zendric arcane lore. The other is a book called The Tome of Kul Sir. Um is suppose uh, the tome this is a little little clue the tome tome of Cole seer i can't spell today uh the tome of Cole seer uh is being held in the forbidden library of morgrave University. In fact, the, the tome is held in uh, Tower Six of Margrave in a series of secret under, underground. Uh, it's underground in a tower. Lower levels. No one goes there. Um, so those are like, you know, okay. So those are a couple, but where is this leading? So I have this idea, right. Of sort of the larger plot. And I kind of like, you know, we can, we can fall back to our Raiders of the Lost Ark idea here and say that uh, only we'll, we'll sort of jump ahead. And, and I, I like, I think it fits the noir detective style that, in good detective novels, your Chinatowns and your uh, L.A. Confidentials and your 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 good old film noir, um, 
your good old film noir sort of detective stuff, the story has often already happened. Uh, what's the other one? Copland, right? Uh, the story has already happened. The, the events that you're watching on screen are the results of the story that has already occurred. So, and, and I think the story that already occurred is that um, probably, let's see, when would it have occurred compared to the second morning? Uh, I think it happened more recently. So within the last couple of years, uh, an expedition went to Zendrek looking for Eberron crystals. Uh, these are very powerful crystals that are used in, in powerful spellcasting. And it was a joint... Um, this, this, it was a joint operation between uh, the members of the Oram who helped fund it, House Kenneth, uh, who... Um, House Kenneth, who is always interested in the world of artif- artificing, uh, pro- probably members of uh, House, the, 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 the Finders Guild and House uh, Thrakish. And um, who else? Uh, they went to Zendrek on this expedition and they found something. And what they found was a huge chunk of Eberron crystal that weighed like 300 pounds. It was this massive shard, massive Eberron shard. And inside of it was a, was a large disembodied hand that was buried inside of the crystal. And nobody, you know, so they, they, they didn't know what it was. And they wrapped it and they packaged it up and they carted it to the shore and they actually sailed it by sea, not by air. They didn't, they didn't want anybody to know that they had this thing and it was safer to, to travel by sea. Uh, when it arrived in Sharn, uh, the crew was mad and turned into like horrible cannibals and stuff like that. That something, something about the crystal, um, you know, twisted their minds along this long journey. And it was the, the, the crystal was, uh, was secreted away uh, somewhere in Sharn. And it's still in Sharn now. Uh, but somebody is trying to move it out of Sharn uh, and into the Mornland where they can actually explore this massive crystal. Um, Snark Knight says the dock that it arrived on could be a freaky, fantastic location. Yeah, so that might be. That might be a cool place to go. Let's stick that in our fantastic locations, right? Uh, the Twisted Dock. And, um, you know, so uh, Abandoned Dock. Uh, ghost Ship. And what other fantastic feature could exist here? Hmm. I need one other cool thing about this dock. It could be either sort of Eberron technical dead magic zone. I kind of like that. Um, yeah, so I like the uh, the Aurum funded uh, an expedition to Zendrak about a year ago. They found something deep in the jungle ruins. Uh, Uh, the Orm founded an expedition to Zendrek about a year ago. They found something deep in the jungle ruins. The expedition found a massive shard of Eberron crystal with a disembodied hand within it. Uh, they shipped the crystal, the shard, right, back to, uh, Sharn. The crew of the ship went mad. Um... This feels very much like the Red Lyrium. Yeah, that it's kind of... Uh, I, I remember that from Dragon Age. It's been a long time since I played Dragon Age. Uh, docs are always underrepresented in map packs. Hard to get good generic map. You know, I happen to know somebody that has a... Oh, hang on a second here. Who happened to has a, a doc map uh, available. Let's see if I can find that book. Let's see if I happen to have it handy. Oh, look, I do. And we can go down through it. Oh, where was it? I saw it. Hey, look at that, a doc. It's got caves. It's got a warehouse. 
got all kinds of stuff. This is Sly Flourish's mundane locations, right? This is a location that you can kind of use in general for any sort of dock. Um, you know, not bad. It'll it'll serve. Uh, what an amazing rapping, rap, yeah, what amazing random happenstance. Um, I bet you that Dyson's got docks too. Not to, you know, I'm very happy with the maps that I've got here, but Dyson also has lots of maps. Um, yeah, so that could be an adventure location. Uh, and that, that could be pretty interesting. I think it would be interesting for them to, um, uh, it could be, uh, an interesting, um, you know, I was thinking today that am I railroading this campaign too much, right? Am I saying like they're going to go here to here to here to here to here? And I, I wanted to have some other options of places that they could explore. And I like the idea, and I thank you for these ideas here, um, that uh, they could go explore the ship itself. Like the ship has been left there, right? It was it was left and it was abandoned. I've got something in my eye. Um, it was left and it was abandoned. So they could, um, you know, they can leave it, right? They can go and explore it and go see, go actually see this place and what was here. So I think that that could be cool. Um, so when I think about sort of like other other MacGuffins and other sort of events that are going to take place over this campaign, the discovery of that shard, and I think that the dirty secret is that they're not going to be able, well, I don't know. I, it, you know, if the whole point is, I think eventually, before they get a hold of the crystal, it's going to be shipped out to the Mornland. Um you know, and they'll they'll know it's out there, and sort of chasing this thing is going to be part of the adventure. And I think the minute they start to get close is the minute when, you know, the Aurum and and they're going to meet their villain today. Is filled with spoilers for my own adventure. I think they're going to meet their villain uh, today, and their villain is um, Lido Skull. Right, Lido Skull is a member. Uh, Uh, Lido Skull is a gold ring member of the Aurum, and he's having a ho- he's having a party, and the par- the characters are invited to his party. Uh, they are specifically invited there to deliver the book to him because he was the one who funded funded the purchase of the book, and they're going to go there. But their patron uh, is going to say, "Yeah, you're going to this party, and a lot of people are going to want to talk to you because they love to they love to talk to working class folk." But um, you're really there to 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 to, to scope the place right we want you know we're gonna we're probably gonna have to steal that book back it would not surprise me i don't know what's going on here but there's there's a big conspiracy going on and i think you're gonna have to steal this book back so you know scope the place out find out what you can play you you can about this place don't get in any trouble and uh we'll we'll regroup and see what we can see what we can get so i think that that will be um you know uh That'll that'll work out. Are there other secrets? So what are the other things? Oh, there is a. Uh, uh, there's a powerful member of the Emerald Claw operating in Sharn called Lord Crash. Um, he was a brutal murderer. Um, so that, yeah, so he's, you know, that, that's sort of another main villain, uh, you know, Emerald Claw, I'll tell you. So there's, there's two, and I was just reading, reading some Eberron, reading some of the book and there's, um, a couple of, I got my, my copy right here and, um, a couple of interesting things. Like if you, it always helps, I think, you know, I always joke that like this, this, uh, these adventures are less, you know, like intricate. Chinatown and more like Walker, Texas Ranger. You know, if you if you sort of combine the fact that the, the players are in trouble about half the time, the players aren't understanding what's going on in the game about half the time, you really need to sort of boil things down. And um, it's not that they're dumb, it's that communication is hard, right? And we all have different images of what's going on in the story in our head. And uh, so I think that, um, you know, it always helps to have like your Walker, Walker, Texas Rangers style adventure in your head, which is, you know, every seven minutes, uh, you know, you need to see Chuck Norris roundhouse kick someone in the face, right. Or you're missing out on your Walker, Texas Ranger. So, um, when, when you need to have every seven minutes, someone get roundhouse kicked in the face, it's probably, I think that was, it was Walker, Texas Ranger, an hour long show. Yeah. It's probably more like every 12 minutes, 
He needs to roundhouse kick someone in the face. He needs a lot of people around that are worthy of getting roundhouse kicked in the face. So who are our roundhouse kick in the face people? And we can kind of have two. Droam, which is a group of powerful monsters that are operating in Sharn. Um, and um, uh, Emerald Claw, right? So these are two great factions. Like, you know... You know, you always want to have what they say, like in, in this in Sin City, they said, like, you know, I, you know, I always love fighting hitmen because you never feel bad no matter how bad you treat them. Right. It's like Nazis. Right. Like, no, you know, you can never do you can never do wrong to Nazis. Um, and uh, so um, Emerald Claw and Droam can both fill that role. Droam, I think, you know, you, and, and you can make them more intricate. You can, you can give them sort of more interesting things. And I already have ideas that, in, so Droam is the big like monster faction that exists inside Charn in a nutshell. And uh, the thing about Droam is they could have actually multiple members that are fighting for leadership. So you could sort of realize that there's a, there's a split of faction going on inside Droam and half of Droam might end up allying with the characters in order to fight the other half. And the example would be that, I think in my version of of events going on here that Lido Skal, who is a Oram Gold Ring member, he's also actually a member of the Shadow the Shadow Council of Oram, is also uh, one of the he's like second in command of Droam here, and I think that the head of the Shadow Council of Oram knows it and doesn't care, right? Uh, I, I remember he's like Burt Cooper in Mad Men, right, where. If the characters go to this head member of the Shadow Council, I don't know how this will work out, but let's say they do. And they're like, you know, your second in command is an Oni, and he's actually second in command of Droam. And he'd be like, who cares? Right? Like, really? Who cares? Like, we're getting what we want. Why, why would you, you know, so what? Right? I think that that would be kind of a fun twist, that Oram doesn't care that their second in command is also second in command of Droam. So, um, you know, you can, you can have fun, you can have fun stuff like that. Um, that of course assumes that the players will be able to navigate through the factions and actually meet the head of the Aurum. But you know, it's you always one to keep in the back of your head. Um, so what else, uh, what other secrets? So, you know, again, okay, so that's a big idea. I don't know where it's all going to head. So, oh, this is where you think in fronts, right? Instead of thinking in plot, you think in fronts. So what is the Orum trying to, what, is, what does Leto Skal want to do? Well, Leto Skal actually is second in command of Droam, and he wants to bring the shard, uh, or, or whatever the shard can unlock. He wants to bring it in the Mornland to unlock its power, and he wants to give that power to... Uh, the Dask to the to the monster nation of Dask. He wants to bring them. You know, chaos is is power. You know, chaos is a ladder. As uh, I don't know, whatever that dumb TV show was, and uh, he wants to do that. So, but he's he's needs like the shard isn't enough, right? Like, how to use the shard? How to unlock the shard? Where to bring the shard? There's lots of questions around that thing. So even though he has it, he doesn't have all the stuff around it. He's also, you know, there's also this, like, the Emerald Claws causing these problems. He wants to deal with them, too. So there's a lot of issues. So, um, uh, yeah, so he's not sure problem. says he wants to bring the artifact into the Mornland without the knowledge or blessing of House Kenneth. Right. And, and House Kenneth is also, like, they're members of House Kenneth. House Kenneth probably is going to play a smaller role in this, in this adventure. House Kenneth is actually the group patron in my Wednesday game. But in this one, they're probably going to have a smaller role. So I think they might come in from time to time. They might meet people from House Kenneth who are, you know, can always kind of share information about what's going on. Um, but I don't think they're going to be a main, a main player. Uh, yeah. So he's got it now. He will, he doesn't want to move it. Uh, and he has it in a, I guess this is a secret, right? That, um, uh, has a shard locked up in a vault in the bottom of his manor. You know, the shard is there now and it's protected and it's wrapped with like the equivalent of a Faraday cage to make sure it doesn't go mad. But if you got too close, you could feel that, wow, there's something behind that door, but there's no way in. It's not for level three characters, right? You're not breaking into that thing. Um, Because it's a vault that he spent probably 15, 20,000 gold on. Um. So he has the shard, but he can't unlock it. So what other, we know that there's the two books. When we think about like major sort of 
drivers. Uh, in, in Numenera, um, and, and Monty Cook Games has started calling these things keys. And I wrote about this on Sly Flourish. There's an article somewhere. Let's see if we can find that. Um, um, Numenera keys. Adventure keys, right? So uh, adventure keys... Um, Here's this article about it. And the idea behind adventure keys – so in, in adventure keys, it's actually about the keys that exist inside of an existing adventure. But you can also take this concept of keys and, you know, MacGuffins, a lot of times adventure MacGuffins, you know, is a common term. They are the, the objects, often a physical object, but it could be not a physical. It could be lore. It could be information. It could be a person, right? It's the, it's the thing that, that the characters seek out. And need to seek out in order for the story to move forward, um, you know. And often they're a physical objective, but it could be a key that isn't isn't physical. It could be something that you that you learn. It could be one of the secrets and clues. Often it's a secret and clue, right? So you know, here's a bunch of example keys: vast black door barring entry into the realm of the night serpent, soul coin containing the tormented soul of long dead sage. These are things you would need to acquire, right? Code word required to enter the the hideout of the weeping blade assassins guild. Um, portal key to enter the doom vaults. Um, you know, a key could be the, the secret origin of Leto Skull. Like, who the, who the hell is Leto Skull, right? And, you know, who knows who Leto Skull is, is uh, the head of the draw. Um, you know. I don't know if that's a great secret, because I don't know how the characters would ever figure that out. Um, it's better to say uh, Leto Skull is not liked by the drawam, by the head of the drawam. Um, so you can think, often I was thinking about these keys in the sense of a single adventure, that like what, did, what, what keys uh, does a character need? And it's sort of like the Tome, of, the Tome of Making, right? There's this book called The Tome of Making. It's inside the Temple of Oram. You have to go through the temple. Oh, by the way, there's a bunch of Emerald Claw jackasses that are trying to get it as well. So that's certainly a way to go. Um, but then what are the bigger keys? Well, okay, so the shard, you know, the shard is a key. Um, the, uh, oh, I know that there was a map. One of the other things I was going to throw in here uh, is, is a map, uh, that there's a map to a House Kenneth laboratory inside the Mornland, which people believe uh, is where the Weapon of Morning was made. And that is probably, Lido Skull is trying to find that, that, that place as well. And perhaps he doesn't have the map now, but perhaps he's in the process of getting it. Um, and maybe the Emerald Claw also has a copy of this map. Right? So you have these keys, and these are all things that eventually the characters are going to have to find. Now, some of the key and some of the, the principles of this that are worth keeping in mind is that uh, you don't want to have only one series of keys, and you have to have them all. And if you have any less than all of them, you're out of luck. And the reason why, and I, this, this is something I discovered when I was running some fourth edition games, and I was kind of moving these MacGuffins around, and I did it in a Dark Sun campaign I ran, which was, I don't remember, I think they were trying to resurrect the god Kalik, right? I think the, the, main, the main drive was that priests of Kalik, Kalik was a, a, a sorcerer king in Dark Sun, and, and somebody was trying to resurrect, it was a pretty good adventure if I say so myself, um, priests of Kalik were trying to resurrect him and they needed a bunch of artifacts to do so but they only needed some number of them to be able to do it and the characters would have to hunt down some artifacts and try to stop the bad guys from doing it and it would set them back if they couldn't get them but it wouldn't stop them so they still had to stop them and it sort of put them on these different trees where if they got all of them they'd resurrect Kalik and he'd be full power right away if they only had so many of them then Kalik would be resurrected but he'd take longer to to, to, to bring back and that way. Like if you got enough of them, uh, you could, you know, Calic would return, but he would return much weaker than he normally would. And then you could, um, uh, you know, then you could fight him and beat him. Uh, I did the same thing. I think with Tyrion of dragons, when I ran, um, rise of Tiamat, that they needed the dragon masks. The five dragon masks were required in order to bring Tiamat back. Uh, but the characters were slowly getting the dragon mask. Well, it turned out that they didn't, that the dragon masks would do it. But what would also do it are these things called the, the chain, the chains? There was a name of, name, the anchors. And the anchors were three ancient dragons that were willing to sacrifice themselves to draw Tiamat up. And, you know, 
it's way better to have three, five dragon masks than it is to have three ancient dragons kill themselves in order to bring Tiamat back. But because the characters got the masks, the, the cult of the dragon was required to do that. So, and then the characters had to defeat the three dragons um, so that Tiamat's rise wouldn't happen as quickly or something like that. And then they, she was still able to claw her way out, but she wasn't nearly as powerful as she would have been if the three anchors were there. So you're always like, you know, it's a, it's an, it's an, it's an analog gauge, right? Not a binary system and because there's binary system. Then they get all the things and it doesn't happen. Right. You still want them to get to the conclusion. So the idea is like whatever items they acquire during this will change the plot of the group that's trying to make the weapon for the second morning, but you're still going to have the weapon, right? It's still going to happen. It's just, they might have to go to a different source for it. They might have to find a different way. They might have to tap into something else. So I think that that that's something to, to to that I'm always trying to keep in mind when you're building out these advent these longer term adventures with all of these different sort of keys in them. Um. Yeah, so that's 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 one issue. You know, these are all the complicated problems you get when you make your own adventure. It's like ah, this is why adventure writers make money. It's because they figure all this stuff out and then we just follow their lead. Um. So I think do I have enough? Um. I, I, you know, so what do we want to do? We want to introduce, so, so if we think about our fronts, we know we have the Emerald Claw as a front, the Arm as a front, and the Draw Arm as a front. My fronts have changed, by the way. I was going to have the the um, Lord of Blades as a big one, and maybe the Lord of Blades will come back into it, but right now, I don't think I'm going to worry about it. And instead, I think I've already got, we've already got Draw Arm, we've already got um, Emerald Claw, and we've already got Orum. And I think that those are good um you know, good fronts, and they're all working towards trying to get the uh, the weapon. You know, I think that that makes sense. Um, oh, I think a fun one. Uh, so, Shift is a warlock. So, I've skipped over a few steps we got to go up let's go i was dumped right into the secrets but let's talk about our characters today so the characters we have today so they are all members of the finders guild um so their sponsor is house thrakish in particular uh their npc the the, the is doris the thrakish the seeker and she is um she is a house thrask i think it's a, i can never pronounce it right so she's the one that kind of sent them on the job, and the job was go recover the book, and they recover the book, and now she's like, okay, we give it to our the guy who paid us, and the guy who paid us is uh, this this Lido Scal of the Orum, you know, Gold Ring member of the Orum. So we're gonna go, to, and he invited us to a party to kind of reveal the book, and um, you know, we're gonna we're gonna go there. Uh, so the characters are Arwen uh, Chi Zizu, uh, played by Jerry, a scribing gnome artificer. Father was a famous hero, and has a dodecahedron from her father. Um, and that says when you're smart enough you'll, to open it, you'll be able to open it. Um, and has a House Civis latent dragon mark. Uh, we have Shift, a Warforged Warlock, Pact of the Undying, uh, Human Experiment of Life uh, and Extension Expansion, one of the original Warforged uh, that was actually made from a human and then with parts that were replaced. The people from House Kenneth who built her don't know why she's alive, but her patron does. Uh, we have Saber, a long tooth shifter monk and bounty hunter. No real backstory. I keep meaning to talk to him about his backstory, but you know he's he's just happy to play. Uh, Shane Husk, played by Jay, a hobgoblin wizard. This is the crime novelist. He wrote a book about the first morning, and he's hoping to be around uh, to to kind of retell a new book that um, you know will will do as well for him. He's sort of a hack novelist. Uh, we have Banner, a warforged paladin uh, of the Becoming God. Uh, who was actually a member of the Blades, uh, the Blade Sextet, the, the the Lord of Blades. Blade Sextet is another friend of mine's campaign. Um, a, the member of the Lord of Blades. And um, he, uh, yeah, was part of that, but then he saw the cruelty that they had, so he left. And now he's 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 here. Uh, we have uh, Zarentir, uh, De Le- Leander, who was a Mark of Storm half-elf. Uh, and Wand Slinger, who now possesses a Wand of Magic Missiles. I should put magic on him. Uh, they, uh, so he heard a warship, uh, or he hurt an airship, and the family said, you know, we need you to go away for a little while. Why don't you go join the Finders Guild and hang out with them for a while and learn something, then come back later. 
So that is where he is. So that is our that is our group. So our strong start. This is a hard one. Uh, probably an event is better than anything else. Um, and we may go to the Eberron uh, event. So they're in the middle ward. Uh, they, they've returned. I think part of it is uh, going to be their new... Uh, their new headquarters, right? We went, we have a new place for them to stay. And I think we want to figure out what their home base uh, is like. So I'm going to talk to them about that today. Uh, but I still want to throw a, um, let's see, let's go to our books here. I still want to throw an event at them. So um, it's come up. I've had people ask that are like, hey, what are some non-combat strong starts? And I think that's an important point. Like I, always, I like starting with combat. I think it wakes everybody up. But um, there's certainly, uh, let's see, the Adventures in Sharn, right? And it has a list of events uh, that take place. These are potential home bases. Uh, lower Sharn events. Um, uh, Minotaur, there's a lot of these, uh, dwarf punches a goblin, human never gets too close, uh, lo loaves of bread, um, riding on a giant spider, ogre eating rats, harpies. Um, they have lower and upper. Do they have middle? They have Skyway. I don't see middle. I guess they don't have middle ones. That's a bummer. It's kind of like E to get the... Um, so what... Is there anything... Like the characters haven't done anything yet. Um, they could be... Uh, I, so it could... You know, if we want to go dark... You could have one of the followers of Set uh, comes to there. If we want to throw like a whole other um, plot line, one of the things is they met a fallen angel of Set. Uh, and that would be uh, interesting. I could also, so I have one, one of my players, Brian, um, is interested in, said so there was a, another temple that they found down in, in Fallen. And he was very interested in exploring that temple. And it might be some fun thing to do there. And somebody could kind of let him know that, hey, I saw that you were at the temple. There was actually another way in. But I don't know. It kind of steers us away from what's going on. Could Droam do anything? Um, so Droam could... Um, they, could they could get an invitation to Droam... Uh, to meet the drone down in the cogs, that would be interesting. Uh, I don't know. Strong starts. Uh, the whole temple to set thing. The problem is it doesn't really have any connection to anything else. Although it's possible that you could have this dark prophet who can actually kind of give them information. You know, I can kind of see things and they could go visit him. Um, and, uh, you know, they could they could learn from this dark fallen angel. And I don't know what the fallen angel would want in return. Exactly. Maybe the shard would be enough to, to restore them to their, you know, former divine glory. Um, uh John empty suit door suddenly materialized in there by building that showed no entrances. Faded graffiti. I'm just trying to four orcs jab at an ochre jelly with long staffs trying to herd the ooze into the sewers. <laughs> Syrian refugees are gathered in a circle singing in a haunting song. Uh, the last war it was not the last. As long as the monarchy rules in Breland, another war is inevitable. Rise up. Uh, you know, that's not bad. Um, is there any, like, what? You know, so they, and I know, and I kind of don't mind starting with a little bit of a downtime. Um, and I, I don't know if we want to, so we could have the, uh, uh, the Boromir gang. So we could have some Boromir 
guys show up. If we do want, you know, again, if we want to go in a fight, Walker, Texas Ranger style, you could have some Boromir thugs say, hey, we heard you had, you, you got something down there. We saw you down in the morning and down in the morning and it looked like you got something. And uh, we think that'd be great. So why don't we, we'll, we'll buy it from you. 50 gold pieces. And he goes, well, I guess we're gonna have to take it anyway. And then they get in a big fight. Um, you know, that's not terrible. Again, you can have, I, cause I don't, I don't know that they're going to have many fights today. So I know I said no fight. Um, um, I know I said no, you know, something other than a fight, but boy, like, so, so I'll tell you what else I'm thinking. Cause I mean, you know, it's 19 minutes to the end of the show and I haven't gotten into what today's adventure is actually about. So, um, uh, Defining the home base. Uh, uh, Boromir thugs. Invitation to the gala. Um, the the invitation to the gala of Lido Skull. Um, dressing up. Um. And what's her name's orders? Um, oh, God, I just thought I closed my window. Uh, Doris's uh, So her orders. Hey, we're probably going to have to go back in here. Um, killing Bormir thugs probably isn't a good strategy. Maybe not, but you never know. Um, there's a wild animal in their new home base. <laughs> Uh, I mean, so the thing about the Barmir is like, you know, they're they're probably not going to just keep. I think this is like a, a not a hail mary, but they probably sent like their worst guys and like, hey, go see if you can get that thing. If the guys get killed, like, ah, it sucks. But um, it's not one of these are like it was the brother or somebody. Maybe it ties in a little Barmir thing. Uh, I don't know. It's probably a lower branch of the Barmir coming in. They're trying to make their you know make their way. They're trying to climb the ranks. Uh, combat with the possibility of recruitment. Yeah, it could go through role playing. It could go through a number of ways. It'll probably be a thug, you know, a thug per character. Um, thugs are kind of tough though, man. With pack tactics and double attacks and everything, thugs are really hard. So we'll probably do like a couple of thugs and a bunch of bandits. It usually works better. Um. Uh. So then the gala, right? And um. They'll probably learn a couple of things. They'll learn about Morgrave, and they'll learn about the boat, right? Morgrave Tower 6, and um, we need a name for the boat. Uh, I think that we can go to... um, Let's capitalize off of our uh, Ghost of Saltmarsh. Pretty sure they have boat names. Here in Appendix A, uh, names, ship name, uh, what have we got? I need a 2D20, let's see, I'll drop it in my Discord channel here, and my bot test. I have 11. And six. Let's take a look at that. Whoops. Eleven is the intrepid, the intrepid gem. Yeah, sure, right. Is there any other the intrepid brawler, the intrepid devil, the intrepid dragon? Yeah. The grinning dragon. Misty dragon. Uh, Dawn's Revenge. I know, I, I like bother to roll. Uh, so that's an area. Is there a third interesting place they could explore? If I wanted to fork this out and say, after they go to the gala and they learn a bunch of stuff, um, what is a third location that they could go to? I think I'd like to, you know, figure out how to have them go down into the cogs. Um, that like they learn that there's an informant of the Droam who has information for them, and he's hiding down in the cogs. Uh, and 
informant to the drum hiding in the cogs. Uh, so the third the third place they could go is well, we could talk to this person down in the cog. Seems to seems to know some stuff. But you know the drum work down there, and they're not going to be happy. So um, that could be fun. Uh, and how would they find out about this informant? That could be the strong start, right? Is um, they get a message? Who would deliver them a message? Uh, somebody from... So what it actually is, is the head of the Droam. Probably after the gala. So this is probably... Yeah, I think I think we'll save this for next time. I don't think we're going to worry about this right now. But somebody... Once they learn about the gala, uh, spies of Droam will know that the characters are involved with Leto Skull. And they want to tell the characters about Leto Skull. The leader does. But she also doesn't want to... You know, like half of the Droam like Leto. So she needs to be very careful. So she sends one of her trusted agents to let the characters know, hey, come down to the cogs. By the way, it's going to be hostile. But if you kill us, we don't care. Just don't kill me. And I'll tell you about Leto Skull. Like, we're, we're always recycling monsters down here anyway. Um, and then that could be a kind of a future, a future way to go. Uh, so for a three-hour game, I need about six clear scenes. So I have the Defining the Home Base, Boromir Thugs, uh, the Invitation to the Battle Line, Getting Dressed Up. That's kind of, you know, that's all sort of one. So that's three. The gala itself is four. But that's probably going to be a few scenes at the gala. So I think those that, that's enough right there. That's going to easily cover... That's going to easily cover what we run today. And I think it will give, um, you know, I think it'll give uh, a, a lot that's going on. I've got my secrets and clues. I think I'm good on that. Uh, fantastic location. So we have the Orem Manor. Let's take a look at the map of Seven Spires. Um, this is a map I was using before. Yeah, so it's got three layers to it, right? And I like that, but didn't, what, I thought there was another, um, I need an under, I need a, um, you know, a vault underneath, I guess. So the vault I could use, uh, was, I think that this was one, um, yeah, I like this one. I think this will work as a good, well, where was the vault? The vault could be here, I guess. So these could be three vault doors and they don't know what's behind any of the three. I was going to use this for Marguerite, uh, for the Margrave, uh, the university, Margrave university, um, but I think that this might be cool for, uh, you know, that they could kind of explore down here. And there's a lot of locked doors and a lot of things. And that it's that that one door to the west uh, is the vault door. And that's where the, that's where the crystal is being kept. Uh, um, it might be cool, though. Let's look at other Dyson maps. Because it could be cool... Um, that the map has multiple exits, right? So there's a s- sort of a cellar underneath seven towers. And it has a way out, right? So like, what if we use this one almost? Although this has got a lot going on. Um, that's probably too much. Uh, where basically, you know, he's got to have a way to bring the crystal in and out of his vault. So he probably has secret entrances and exits to his vault down in, uh, you know, down underneath. Uh, so it would be sort of a museum-y area, but then also has these these other exits. I suppose that I could just sort of add a couple maps together. I don't need one map that covers all this. Some of these are just huge. Look at the chambers of the Amsterdam City. That thing's massive. This one's not bad. Uh you know, central stairwell. I don't know where the vault would be. Um, I love just perusing Dyson maps. Uh, but I think we'll we'll go with uh. What about this one? This is kind of cool. How do I get to this one? Beneath the marching tankard. Does this one have a good vault? Um, this is like these other exits, which I kind of dig. Let's take a bigger look at this. Yeah, I don't like the rest of it though. I like this part. 
you know, I like that it's got a secret exit, but I think we'll, I think we'll just steal that and add it to the, oh, I know, I guess that's the most recent one he did. Um, I think we'll steal the other one that I liked. The, 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 that's this guy. Ah. Um, yeah. This guy. And so this section over here on the left is where, well, could he, maybe he has something trapped down here. Like this could be an area, like there's a big chain on the wall and stuff like that. That would be kind of cool. And maybe someone's down here. That'd be a role play opportunity. Who would, who would Lido Skull have trapped? Um, I don't know. And maybe he's got two vaults, right? And then I would say that probably, um, probably in this room in the north uh, would be a secret door, a, a, a trapped and locked secret door that leads to a long series of tunnels uh, that can get out, uh, that can get out of the manor and leads to like elevators, you know, secret shafts and elevators that can take stuff down to the lower, to the lower districts. I think that that could be, that could be cool. Um, yeah, so that's going to be our, uh, to today's, we have seven spires and we have this guy. Uh, where's my seven spires map? Yeah, not going on with seven spires. I thought he had an, an undercroft for this. Um, that's a thread. I guess it was that one, but I thought he had another one that had an, an, a, a seller to it. But I don't know. So that will cover, uh, let's see. Those are my two maps for today. Um, and then I've got my docs if I need them. And uh, oh yeah, so character bases. We're gonna we're gonna look at a couple layouts. Like this, this could be one of their places. I thought that might be pretty cool. Uh, this is one I use for my my other group which I think works, works well, uh, a general workshop. Um, I don't know about this one. Oh yeah. This is sort of a manor. That's kind of cool. So, uh, I think I will offer them the three of those. So today is going to be a little bit of like, you know, kind of building up their, their own home base. And we'll say like, what are the three layouts that, you know, what does the base look like as you know, one of these three. Um, I think that'll work pretty well. Uh, so NPCs, I think I had, yeah, the Gabriel Northwell, right? So a lot of these, I, um, uh, a lot of these, Murdo can go to the bottom of the list. Uh, I added in here, uh, um, a couple of these I added in as people that they'll be able to meet at the, at the the um the party itself and a lot of npcs i'll just sort of create on the spot uh, i don't think that they will have any treasure uh and monsters where's my monsters so who would uh i think that um uh i think that leto skull he probably has monsters that lurk in his cellars right maybe a hellhound um That'd be pretty great. Uh, animated armors and flying swords. Um, carpet of smothering. Those, those all seem reasonable. Uh, he also has veterans that work for him. He hired them. These are house Denith uh, that he hired for the gala. Uh, oh, and then I've got my good old assortment of thugs and bandits. I love me some thugs and bandits. They're almost as great as cultists. Um, 
So I think that that works pretty well. Um, is there anything else like when I'm running the gala? I think you know I think I can I can improvise a lot of what's going on at the gala. It's a really nice event. They're serving fine ales from all sorts of different places. Um, there's there's some I can I can uh, we can hit up. Let's see if we want sort of fancy fancy things going on here. Uh, let's go to our source books and Iran Rising Last War. Uh, in Sharn, where's the Sharn chapter? So it has these nice tables that kind of say the most interesting things that are going on. Uh, falling in Sharn, yeah. Um, um, could always have an event like this go on. Oh, here's some good counselors. So one of the counselors could be there. Which one of these counselors? I'll pick one. Let's see. I'll grab the first one. Uh, Elder Statesman, brilliant order, rumored to be involved in the web of bribery and graft. Soric uh, Sensos, who is a uh, one of the Shaun counselors and he is at this gala so we will throw him in the npcs um uh that'll be fun oops i didn't mean to jump out of that and uh so here's the whole section about the wards and uh here are some let's see central plateau um There are some. I'll probably have to read through this after, yeah, well, before before my game. But uh, generally, there's like really fine, you know. So it'd be kind of cool to say like, um, which is the uh, Memphis? I'm looking for like fine drinks that could be served here from particular places. Like, oh, we got this from so and so. Is it North Edge Residential? Um, Tavix Landing. Yeah, I got to find like fancy drinks. Uh fancy drinks and minstrels and I'll I'll dig them up. So that's that's a couple things I'd like to throw in here. Are are you know, what are what are some interesting drinks they could get from different places? And uh who, you know, they have some minstrels that are being that are played. And this is an opportunity to kind of dig into this. And I know it's here. Dragonize uh range of logic food. There was something about like it's the only place where you can get a certain drink. Whoops, wrong one. Um, wine. Uh, here we go. Uh, Sanids. Where can I put this stuff? I don't have a place for it in my notes. Little little notes. Put it under uh, fantastic location. Uh, and minstrels, right? Um, I'll figure out fancy minstrels from the upper wards. So, yeah, yeah, I'm sure that was fun watching me read tables. Um, so I think I've got enough. Like, it's a little tricky because, like, it's way easier to just run a dungeon where they crawl through a dungeon and fight stuff. And there'll be plenty of that. But I thought it would be kind of fun to also to sort of meet their villain face-to-face. They may even recognize, hey, this guy's a villain. And then sort of case the drink because they're probably going to have to come back to this manor at another time. And they're probably going to have to crack it open. 
So um, I think that that will be fun. Um, uh, what's my strong start? Home base, Barmier gang steals, tries to take the book. I think it'd be good. Like everybody, nobody minds a fight. Everybody likes to see what their characters can do. They just got the third level. So them being able to, to uh, unleash a bunch of third level stuff, I think will will work well. It'll introduce the Barmier clan. And, um, you know, yeah, I think it can work out. So, yeah, I am all set pretty much eh, here and there. How do I feel? I'm probably, how, how confident do I feel about this game? I give myself like a six out of 10. I'm not super confident. I was way, I'm way more confident in my games when I know that like, hey, we're starting in a dungeon and we know we're going to finish the end of the dungeon. I always like those because they're easy. Uh, this one, it's like, well, I don't know. We're going to have some downtime and we're going to have like NPC interaction. And, you know, it's always kind of loosey-goosey and I never feel as comfortable. But I feel I'm, I'm all right. I'll, I'll, I'm sure it'll be okay. Everyone's there to have a good time. Uh, so yeah, I want to thank everybody for coming into Twitch chat. I've been ignoring, uh, Twitch chat. Let me take a look at Twitch chat recently. Um, probably gonna be charmed by found uh, house of Alarm quartet. There we go. Thank you. Snark night. See, I should be reading my chat. Thank you for that. Where, where, where did I stick the other one? I think I did it under fantastic locations. Um, house for Alarm quartet. Uh, yeah, anyway, so I think we are all set, and it is 11 o'clock, so I'm going to call it a day. Uh, thanks to everybody for coming in the chat, and I will see all of you guys next Sunday for another one of these shows. And uh, thank you all once again. Have a great week, and get out there and play some D&D.